0: So go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5 as we continue in our series through the Sermon on the Mount. Now the question that we're going to be looking at today is how should we see the Bible? Because the answer to that question is vitally important to Christians. Now, that question was put on display back in the year of 2000 when the Southern Baptist Convention was making a new statement of faith. And that is the one that we now have today. It's the Baptist Faith and Message 2000. So that's what we have as a convention and as a church now. But uh, they were making a move back in 2000 to put very strong language about the importance of the Bible. And so I'm going to read just part of the current statement of faith. And this is what was being proposed back in the year 2000. It says the Holy Bible was written by men divinely inspired and is God's revelation of himself to man. It is a perfect treasure of divine instruction. It has God for its author, salvation for its end, and truth without any mixture of error for its matter. therefore, all Scripture is totally true and trustworthy uh, totally true and trustworthy, and it reveals the principles by which God judges us, and therefore is and will remain to the end of the world, the true center of Christian union and the supreme standard by which all human conduct, creeds, and religious opinions should be tried. All scripture is a testimony to Christ who is himself the focus of divine revelation. So while this statement was being proposed, there were some folks that were opposing it. And so here's some of the objections that came up when this statement was being proposed. First of all, during an open forum uh, about the proposal, one, ba- one Texas pastor stood up and said, uh, While the Bible is true and trustworthy, the Bible is still just a book. Now, that's someone you want as your pastor, right? Uh, and then a Baptist state newspaper said this about the proposal. They said, If the Bible alone is our primary guide, then all parts of the Bible receive equal weight. It is a flat Bible. For example, the words of Moses, Jesus, and the apostle Paul are equally authoritative. If, however, Jesus is the guide to interpreting scripture, then Jesus's words and clear actions take precedence over their apparent discrepancies with other scripture passages such as the Old Testament codes and some of Paul's admonitions. Some scriptures, especially the portions of the Old Testament clearly stand in paradox to Jesus's teaching and uh, life and teachings also recorded in scripture. Other passages such as Paul's writings, seem to be at odds with each other and Jesus's words and actions clarify and separate the timeless and universal from the culturally specific. Now, I'll admit, they bring up some interesting points here. If all of the Bible is equally inspired, and that, by the way, is what our statement of faith says, then do we listen to the words of Moses as much as we listen to the words of Jesus? And what about these, par- these passages that seem to contradict each other? So are there errors in the Bible? Now, the proposed statement went through And it's now our statement of faith as a convention and as a church. But are these objections valid? And if not, how do we explain some of the objections that they brought up? For example, is making the Bible an errant turning it into a flat Bible, meaning putting the words of Moses and the words of Jesus at the same level? Should we read the Old Testament? with as much care as the New Testament. So these are the types of questions that Jesus is going to address in our passage today. And I recognize that that this topic may not seem as, maybe quite not as practical as other topics that we've talked about over the past couple of weeks. But if you're a Christian here today, then this topic is vitally important. Because it's discussing where we as Christians get our ultimate marching orders from. So in other words, who has the final say in how a Christian life is lived out? This was the problem that Martin Luther encountered back in the 16th century in what's called the Protestant Reformation. He was at the beginning of it. And the Catholic church that he was part of had created a whole bunch of unbiblical rules in order to make more money. And so they were selling indulgences, which were sort of like spiritual pardons, and doing all sorts of other things that turned Christianity into a profit-making business. And so Luther objected to these and eventually got to the point where he nailed that paper onto the door with the 95 theses and uh, to object to those types of actions that the church was doing. And ultimately, as the Protestant Reformation began to form, one of the main cries of the Reformation was the idea of sola scriptura, which means the Bible is the sole infallible source of authority for Christian faith and practice. Now, I recognize that this introduction may not be super exciting to some of you, and it's a little longer. I know I'm, I'm, I'm uh, going into a little bit more here, but listen, it's important to see just how much rides on this answer. Will the Bible or will something else be the, the ultimate authority? And what should we make of the Old Testament? So this is what we're going to be looking at today. So let me go ahead and I'm going to start by reading our passage and then we'll break it down verse by verse. And so here we go. Matthew chapter 5 verse 17. Jesus says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So what did Jesus believe about the scriptures? Let's go ahead and look at this verse by verse. And here's the first thing that we see that Jesus believed that he was the fulfillment of scripture. So he says again, do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets, I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So let's remember what, what was happening a little bit before that. In the previous verses, Jesus had been giving some very, uh, we'll, we'll say probably hard or difficult to understand teachings that were based out of other scripture. He was saying things like blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are those who are persecuted for my sake. And most likely, the religious leaders of that time heard Jesus saying these things, and they were likely thinking that he was trying to reinterpret what Scripture meant. So Jesus was sort of shifting the meaning of things. But Jesus is essentially saying, no, no, that's not what I'm doing. I didn't come to get rid of Scripture. I came to fulfill them. And what Scripture is he talking about? Well, at this point, the vast majority of the New Testament had not been written. And so when he's talking about the law, the law is normally the first five books of the Old Testament. The prophets are many of the other books that come after that, like Isaiah and Jeremiah and uh, books like that. So Jesus is essentially referring to what we call the Old Testament. And Jesus is making it clear. He didn't come to get rid of the Old Testament. Instead, the Old Testament points to and is fulfilled in him. So he means that we should still read it. We should still study it. But we should read it through the lens of Jesus Christ. I have here some, uh, some glasses here. Yeah, I think... I think they look, make me look pretty good. Um, now, what are glasses usually for? Well, for most people, they're used to improve your vision. So for people that need glasses, what happens when you put your glasses on? You see better, right? And then what happens when you take your glasses off? Everything starts to get blurry. So th- then you put them back on and they get more clear. And so Jesus is saying that this is how we should read scripture, both the old and the new. But let me zero in on the old, since that's what Jesus is referring to. You can read the Old Testament and really on your own, you can, you can understand some of, the, some of the main ideas, the 10 commandments, the, the flood, those, those are pretty easily understood. But if you're not reading them with the right glasses, then your understanding of those passages and everything else in the Old Testament are going to be blurry. So we need to read the Old Testament through the lens of Jesus Christ. Because the Old Testament was not simply given as a historical book or a book of moral rules. The Old Testament was given To lay the foundation for the gospel message and to point us to Jesus Christ. Now, I have my contacts in, so I'm going to put these back. And so, church, put your Jesus glasses on when you read the Old and New Testaments. James Montgomery Boyce said this. He said, the Bible is about Jesus, and he is the fulfillment in all ways. He fulfills the moral law, the prophecies, by the specifics of his life and the sacrificial system. He is, uh, by his once and for all atonement. So after Jesus had risen from the dead, a few of his disciples were confused about what was going on. They were walking down the road and they were discussing everything that was going on. And they were very confused about why Jesus wasn't in the tomb anymore. And so suddenly this guy appears to them. It's the resurrected Jesus. And he starts walking with them, but they don't recognize that it's Jesus. And so listen to what Jesus tells them. And this story is in Luke chapter 24. Jesus tells them, oh, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things? And enter into his glory. Then in verse 27. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So Jesus explained to them why it was important for him to be crucified, not from the New Testament, because again, most of it hadn't been written. He explained that from the Old Testament. He started from uh, Moses, from the first five books of the Old Testament, and then continued from there explaining why he had to go to the cross. So let me ask you, what glasses are you reading the Bible through? And so I challenge you to read it through the lens of Jesus Christ. So I'm going to give you two suggestions on how you can do this, particularly if you're newer in your faith or maybe you're here, you're exploring Christianity and you're you're, you're just not quite getting the Bible. And so here's my first suggestion. First of all, consider using a good study Bible, a good study Bible. So study Bibles have the text usually at the top with study notes underneath. And there's all sorts of them out there. But these Bibles can shed light into information like some difficult to understand parts. Now, my favorite here, this is the ESV Study Bible. And so this is my favorite study Bible. Uh, And again, this one or any other, they're not going to answer every single question that you have about the Bible. But if you will keep reading it, Studying it, writing out questions, taking notes, going back in and studying it again. And if you keep looking for Jesus in the passage, listen, you you will start to get it and you will grow in your understanding of it. But this is not something that's just going to take one time. One day you got to dive into it and work at it as you study it. So use a good study Bible. And by the way, this Bible here is going to be back at the welcome center. So if you fill out a connection card, if you're new here, uh, you can get one of our awesome Island pond mugs, but you also have the option. We have one of these that we're going to give away to someone, um, if you would like it. So fill out the connection card and then uh, you can grab one of this one. Here's the second suggestion. Consider starting in the book of Hebrews in the New Testament. And so the the book of Hebrews was the first book, uh, the first large book that I preached through here at Island Pond. This was back in January of 2018. I was just a young whippersnapper, not much gray back then. And uh, I was amazed, though, as I got into it at how much I learned about the Old Testament as I studied that book in the New Testament. And so the the book goes into all sorts of detail on how the Old Testament is fulfilled through Jesus Christ. And so read Hebrews with a good study Bible. uh, And that will lay the foundation for understanding a lot of the main ideas of Jesus being fulfilled in the Old Testament. So let's go on to the next verse now. And let's see that what else did Jesus believe about the Bible? We see that Jesus believed that scripture, the scriptures were perfect in every detail. uh, Verse 18, he says, for truly, I say to you until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until it is accomplished. So Jesus, first of all, starts with the phrase until heaven and earth pass away. What does he mean there? He actually uses that phrase multiple times in Matthew. And he uses it to refer to the end of the age. So when he returns, a lot of, a lot of changes are going to happen, and that is the end of the age. So until the end of the age, or until he returns, not an iota or dot will pass from the law. So what are those? Well, the iota is reference to the Hebrew letter yod. And that is the smallest letter in the Hebrew alphabet. So you can see that here on the left. So it's, it's sort of like our apostrophe. And then on the other side there, you see the dot. Some people call it a stroke. And that's the smallest part of the Hebrew letter. And that's similar to what distinguishes our English C from a G. You know, just that little dash. Or an O from a Q. Again, just, just a little dash. So it's just really one part of a word or of a letter. And Jesus is saying here that not one of these will pass from the law. In fact, in the original language, when he's saying it, he uses a double negative emphasizing the point that there is no way it's going to pass. So Jesus is making his point very clear here. The Bible. And in this case, the old Testament does not need to be changed Not even one little dot of it. In other words, there's nothing wrong with it. It's perfect just the way it is. If Bruno Mars was singing about the Bible, he would say, Bible, you're amazing just the way you are. And you may be wondering, uh, what about all those uh, difficult to understand parts? Or even those weird parts that we see in the Old Testament. So as, as New Testament Christians, should we spend a lot of time and say the book of Leviticus or Song of Solomon? Now, church pastor Andy Stanley argues that the Old Testament should not be cited as the go-to source regarding any church, any behavior in church. And in fact... Um, uh, five years ago, he made headlines in Christian news when he said this about the Bible. So I'm going to play this clip here. It's about,
1: uh, about a minute. So let's go ahead and take a look at that. And Peter, who was on both sides, James, who was on both sides, the apostle Paul. Oh my gosh. He was killing Christians before he became one. These men are right at the epicenter. They were on both sides of the equation. Here's what they say to you. And to me as a Christian, Peter James, Paul, elected to unhitch the Christian faith from their Jewish scriptures. And my friends, we must as well, and I'll tell you why. It's actually the same reason they did. Because we must not make it difficult for those Gentiles who are turning to God. They didn't, we shouldn't either. The faith of the next generation may depend on our willingness and our ability to get this right. The faith of your neighbor may depend on it. And who knows? Someday your faith may depend on it.
0: Now, I'm very jealous of his ventriloquist abilities there, as we saw. We'll have to work on that as a, uh, um, I don't know what's going on with our computer today. Um, I also really like his TV there. But um, besides the point there, he is wrong. He is wrong. Is that how we should treat the Old Testament now that we're in the New Testament? As a crazy aunt or uncle in the family where maybe you'll invite them over for Christmas, but sit them over in the corner, give them their turkey, and leave them alone. Now, I don't have time to go into every detail about why he's wrong here. So let me just say this. Every part of the Bible is important. But as I already said, just make sure you read it the same way that Jesus did. So Jesus didn't view the Old Testament as a rule book. He it, it, it had rules, but they were for a purpose. And additionally, make sure that you're reading each book of the Bible correctly. So the, the genre of the book is gonna play an important part into how you read it. And so how you read it is gonna play an important part into how you understand it, And that's going to play an important part into how you apply it to your life. But make no mistake here. Jesus never unhitched himself from the Old Testament. Peter, James, and and Paul never unhitched themselves from the Old Testament. Every part of the Bible is important and plays a role. Let's go on to the next verse for the sake of time here. And we see in the third verse here, verse 19 that Jesus believed the scriptures are to, be, uh, are to be taught and obeyed. Verse 19, he says, Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So the, the, the question comes up is, uh, should we obey all the commands in the Old Testament? So, so if the Old Testament is equally inspired, then should we obey all the commands in the Old Testament? And this is probably partly where Stanley and others get, get sort of confused because they say, oh, it's inerrant. So, so we got to obey it. But n- again, knowing the context of things is important. Jesus says in verse 17 that he came to fulfill the law and the prophets, pointing to the Old Testament. So the Old Testament laws serve to guide the Jewish people to order their nation and to also point out people's sinfulness. For example, in the New Testament, in Romans, Paul, who, by the way, um, uh, uh, apparently was unhitched, speaks of the Old Testament by saying in Romans 3.20, through the law comes knowledge of sin. So it's through the law that we see in the Old Testament that, we, that, that people start to see their sinfulness and a need for something greater than that. But now that the Christ has come, the laws of the Old Testament have been fulfilled. Romans 10, 4. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Or in Galatians chapter 3. Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then, the law was our guardian until Christ came, in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. So listen, church, you are free. You're not bound to the laws of the Old Testament, but that doesn't mean you're just free to do whatever you want. Because what freed you from the Old Testament laws? Jesus did. And so now we're called to follow under the law of Christ. Galatians 6, 2, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So Jesus was asked what the most important commandments were, and he summarized it this way. And so this comes from Mark 12. He says, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So Jesus says that if that you will be called great in the kingdom of heaven, if you obey his commands and teach them to others. So lastly, what else did Jesus believe about scripture? Jesus believed that the Bible focuses on the heart. Verse 20. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, the Pharisees were experts in the law. And as I said last week, they they turned the Old Testament laws into 248 regulations, meaning do this, and 365 prohibitions, meaning don't do this. And so Jesus is saying that your righteousness needs to exceed that of the scribes and Pharisees. And if it doesn't, you're never going to enter into heaven. So how is that possible? How's it possible to exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees? And the answer comes back to how you read the Bible. The Pharisees read the Bible as a rule book, and they were very good at following rules. But Jesus saw the Bible as ultimately pointing to the heart. Jesus saw that a believer's righteousness did not come from how they acted, but came from their heart. And following rules will not change the heart. Jesus is the only one who can change the heart. And so the Bible, if all the Bible is doing when you read it is impacting how you behave, then I'm going to very kindly say, you don't get the Bible. Outward behaviors are secondary to the inward heart. So are behaviors important? Sure. Because a lot of times behaviors are going to show where your heart is. For example, the the scribes, the Pharisees, uh, they acted pretty well most of the time until they got to the point where they crucified a guy because they didn't agree with him. You see, actions will show where your heart is. But what's more important is what's going on in the heart. Have you given your heart to Jesus? Is he in there changing you from the inside out? And so as I wrap up, I want to encourage you with the same message. Don't give Jesus your actions. Give him your heart. Give him your life. So let me close with this. I I read uh, this week about several famous athletes who passed away in their prime. For example, in 1988, 40-year-old Pistol Pete Maravich, the holder of numerous unbreakable college basketball records and later an NBA all-star Died while playing a pickup game of basketball in Pasadena, California. Or a few years before that, in 1986, this 31 year old U.S. women's volleyball player, uh, U.S. women's volleyball Olympic athlete, died suddenly. Or in 1995, a 28 year old figure skater who had won two Olympic gold medal, medals died while practicing. And all of these people died because of heart issues. Now, they looked super healthy on the outside. In fact, they were world-class athletes. Yet on the inside, there was a flaw in their heart that led to a very premature death. And I want to challenge you, church, don't let that happen to you. Don't look good on the outside by following all the rules or doing what what you think is right while decaying on the inside. So I want to encourage you get into scripture, but don't let it just impact your behavior. Let the fulfillment of scripture, Jesus Christ impact your entire life. Let's go ahead and we're going to go spend a moment now in prayer. And uh, I do want to encourage you that if you've never given your life to Jesus, man, that now is a great time to do that. the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, there's that heart again, you will be saved. So you can give your life to Jesus right now, no matter what you've done this morning or this week or this year, he is here to forgive you and to make you into a new person. So don't wait until tonight. Until next week, until next year, till whatever, do it now. Do it while you still are thinking about it before it's too late. Because we never know what's going to happen today or tomorrow.
1: Let's go ahead and pray.